Well, good morning. So glad that you guys are here to worship with us this morning. Glad our kids are with us, which always adds a little excitement to our worship, which we are just so, so excited for. I hope everyone is ready for Christmas. In case you haven't heard, it's close, like really close. So I hope all your shopping and most of your presents are wrapped and everything is ready for tomorrow. I only have a couple things left on my list. Uh, one of the big ones this afternoon is I'm going to go home and clean the wallpaper with some Play-Doh. Yeah. Now, there's probably some thoughts that are going through your mind right now, so let me just address them. One, yes, wallpaper is coming back, and we have wallpaper, right? It's a good thing. It's coming back. So either it's super outdated or it's super trendy. You pick. Totally up to you. The other thing might maybe going through your mind is this is Christmas Eve. You seriously don't have anything better to do than going home and cleaning wallpaper at your house. Yes, I have things better to do. This is an illustration. We don't actually have wallpaper at the house, but hang with me. I'm making a point here. Probably, though, most of you are thinking, Play-Doh? Play-Doh. You're going to clean wallpaper with Play-Doh. Yes. Did you not know when it was originally created back in the 30s that Play-Doh was originally created to clean wallpaper? That was its original purpose. That's what it was made for. It wasn't until the 50s when it was remanufactured to be used in the classroom. And so I, I am using Play-Doh for what it was made to do. But that sounds pretty strange, doesn't it? Clean wallpaper with Play-Doh. Isn't it interesting how something that was originally made for a purpose, now that purpose sounds really strange? And I think that's what happens so many times when we come to faith, when it comes to scripture and what God asks us to do. He created this world perfect. He created it in a certain and specific way. And yet now when God comes and tells us, hey, this is how I created life to be. This is how I created you to live in relationship with me. We, we look at him a bit strange because we've been upside down for so long. Sin came into this world and it flipped everything upside down. And we've been upside down for so long that upside down looks upside like right side up. Right, right side up now looks strange because it's been upside down for so long. And, and that's one of the big things that we're going to talk about this morning as we celebrate and prepare for the arrival of Jesus into this world. This key aspect of God's love for us that seems kind of upside down, but in reality is such a core piece of faith and how God designed life. And I am so excited to dive into this this morning. We are in our fourth week of Advent with the topic of love. And through this Advent series, what we've been doing is looking at different minor prophets. Now, the prophets spoke to Israel and, and nations around on behalf of God. And often what we see God telling the prophet was not just words to tell to, to Israel and to his people and others around that, that the message he had, but they had to do something. They, they, they did something to illustrate a prophecy or something that was about to come into the future. So one prophet laid on his side for X number of days, and each day was a year that Israel would be in exile. And so they, they had to do something that would be a prophecy of what was, would be to come in the future. But the prophet that we're going to look at today really is a little different. We're going to be looking at the prophet of Hosea, and Hosea's marriage and kids serve as a summary and a warning to Israel. 
If you want to follow along, not just on the, the screen and the slides that are up uh, behind me here, but on your phone, if you have the Church Center app, there's a sermon notes section, and so I want to encourage you to pull that up and follow along as we dive into this story of Hosea. It may be an interesting story, an unlikely story to talk about on Christmas Eve, but I'm not sure there's a story in the Old Testament that illustrates the love of God more than this story here. It does start off a little interesting, though. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. It says, when the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said this to him, go and marry a woman of promiscuity and have children of promiscuity, for the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. Now, just to be clear, this is not dating advice or marriage advice to anyone who's single here, right? This is not a, a command that God gives to all people, but he's making a point about what Israel is doing in this moment. They are abandoning the Lord. They are turning away from him. And to illustrate this, he tells Hosea to go and marry someone. He marries a girl by the name of Gomer, and they have a kid. God says, name this kid a name that points to the coming judgment that God has for Israel. And they have another kid, verse 6. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. The Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Rahumah, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. They have another son, verse 9. Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people. I am not your God. Right? What Israel has done is dismissed the love of God, denied him, turned away from him, said, we're not going to be your people anymore. And, and this serves as a, as a statement of where Israel is at this moment in time. And it breaks your heart. Right, this covenant, this promise that God made to his people that they have turned away from, they have denied it completely and walked away from God. And then chapter 2. I encourage you to go back and read chapter two at some point this week as a chapter about how God cannot stay away. He cannot stop loving his people. He's going to come after them again and again. Hosea chapter two, the last verse of chapter two ends with this. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter of God's love for his people and how he will continue to come after his people over and over and over again. And then in chapter 3, he tells Hosea to do something a bit drastic. Verses 1 to 2 of chapter 3, Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. Gomer had left Hosea. She had gone back to her former way of life, gone back with another guy, and God tells Hosea, I want you to go love her again. Go, go pursue her. Go, go buy her back again, because that's what I'm going to do for, for my people. And we look ahead and we see that this is what God does for us as he sends his son to the cross. The price that he paid for us was the life of his son. His death on the cross was the payment that he paid. Now we're jumping ahead a little bit, but it's a beautiful story of how deep God's love is for his people. 
And so Hosea goes to do that, goes to, to buy her back. And in verse three, he says, now there's going to be a, a season of waiting that you're not going to be with any guy, not even me. And verse four and five of chapter three, God says that this illustrates something else for the Israelites must live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or household idols. And afterward, the people of Israel will return and seek the Lord, their God and their David and David, their king. They will come with awe to the Lord and to the goodness of his last days, in the last days. Right, this, this is about a time of waiting, a time of, of waiting. And I don't know, there aren't many things that I can say with sweeping broad stroke brushes about everybody, but my guess is that everybody in here really hates to wait. Nobody likes to wait. But this period of waiting for, for Gomer is a period of waiting for Israel, and it's a crucial period of waiting for us too. And I don't want to skip over this, because I think that there is there's an aspect to which waiting just feels like punishment, like torture for the soul, like no one likes to wait in the DMV line, no one likes to wait in the checkout line at the store, no one likes to wait on hold on the phone. We don't want to wait for the things that we want. We just want to go get them. We'll just put on the credit card or on payments. We'll figure out how to get it because when we want something, we just go get it. We, we hate this idea of waiting and, and waiting just so often just feels like torture, feels like punishment. But that's not what we see in scripture. That's not even what we see in the text. There's no indication that this is a punishment or consequence. All throughout scripture, in fact, we see stories of how people waited. Here are just a few of them that I could think of off the top of my mind. Noah waited for the rain. Then he waited for the rain to recede once they were on the ark. Abraham waited for a son. Joseph waited in prison. Jonah waited in the belly of a fish. Jesus waited for 30 or so years to start his ministry. Paul waited after seeing uh, Jesus on his road to Damascus before he started ministry, right? The, the Israelites waited for 400 years in Egypt. They waited for 40 years in the wilderness. God waited from the time Adam and Eve left the garden till Abraham to start his plan. He waited so many more generations before Jesus came, right? All of scripture is filled with waiting, and yet we hate to wait. I'm becoming more and more convinced that waiting is in fact a crucial and overlooked expression of God's love. And it's not a consequence, it's not punishment, it's not torture. It is a deep and profound way that God loves his people there is something that happens in this time of waiting where God molds us and crafts us into his image, more into his image, that he gets rid of the rough edges and we start to, over time, look more and more like Jesus in the waiting. In the waiting. Imagine if we saw waiting in a different light. Imagine what would happen if we saw waiting in a similar light to how scripture spoke of it. Psalm chapter 130, five and six says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits 
And in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Lamentations 325, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. Jude 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. There is a power to waiting as it is a display of how much God loves his people. Imagine what would happen if we saw waiting this way. What if we actually took the longest line at the store and waited in that line? And instead of putting headphones in and listening to music or podcasts or audiobook or something, we were taking that time to make a phone call. What if we just stood there and looked around, saw what was happening around us, what if we just waited? What do you think we would see? Maybe some things that weren't so great. But my guess is that we would be starting to see God move and work around us. Maybe we overhear a sweet conversation between a parent and a child. Maybe instead of being impatient because the line's taking so long, we realize that whoever's checking out's a couple dollars short or their card got declined, and maybe this is an opportunity to, to serve and to help. Maybe we just look around and we take a moment to breathe and rest from the hustle and bustle of life, especially this time of year. What if the next time you're on the phone on hold, instead of getting, you know, something in your mind, getting angry about it and, and finding something else to do to fill the time, what if you just sat there and took it as a sign from God just to rest, to wait, just to sit there and wait? How much refreshing could that be to your day? I know there's a laundry list of things to get done, but, but sometimes we just need that reminder to wait. What if, what if instead of going out and getting the thing that you just want so deeply, so desperately, what, what if you just waited until you had the money for it? Or what if you just said, hey, I, I'm just gonna sleep on it for a few nights. I, I'll get it in a month. I got the money for it, but I, I'm just gonna give it a month and wait. Maybe in that month we would realize I don't need it anymore. Or maybe it would just start to tune our heart to realizing that God is everything we need. And maybe it's just an act of, of delaying something good to realize how much God is good for us. The idea of a Sabbath, resting for a day, putting off work, household chores, work, work, other things that need to get done, just putting it off for a day helps us rest in the love of God. Church, this is so deeply should be a part of our lives because it shows us how much God loves us. His love for his people is revealed when we wait. Look, I, I get it. Life is crazy, it's busy, there are stressors at work, there are deadlines, there are things that just need to happen, and if we get behind, it just, it needs to happen, it needs to get done. I get it, life is crazy. We have two kids and one on the way, right? It's crazy and it's not slowing down at all. It's hectic. It is so, so crazy. But it's not gonna get better if we just keep leaning into more. 
right? If we just had more hours in the day, we would just fill it with more stuff and we'd need more time and more time. The only way it stops is when we actually put the brakes on and we say, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to go against culture. I'm going to go against everything that is comfortable and what looks normal because the reality is that normal is upside down. And normal has been upside down for so long, it looks right side up. And this busy paced life is not the way God intended for us to live. It's just not. This is also not just a deep expression of God's love for his people, but a deep expression of God's love for the world. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is waiting to send back his son for the second time so that we have more time to reach an unbelieving world about the unbelievable good news of Jesus Christ. I feel myself so conflicted because I want to pray so deeply that Jesus comes back today, tomorrow, soon. But I also know that this challenge, this this calling that God has put on each and every one of our lives to go make disciples, I pray that Jesus stays wherever he is for as long as it takes so that we can reach as many people as possible with the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is a really hard prayer to pray. But it displays how much God loves his people. How much he not just loves his people who already call in his name, but the world that he still created in his image that he loves deeply in church. That's what we have to do. We have to lean into the waiting that God has created and cultivated from the very beginning so that we can reach this world for Jesus. Tomorrow we are celebrating and remembering the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is an exciting time. It is a time to be so grateful and thankful. And it is a time to wait to wait on Jesus so that we can continue this mission that he's given us. So my challenge for you tomorrow, this season, is to wait. Choose the long line. Go under the speed limit. Take a little longer to get where you're going. Take out the headphones and the podcast or the music or audiobook and just wait where you are. Look around you. And see what God has to show you. I I really wish that I could tell you that this is something you just do a couple times and it'll make everything so much better. But you don't go to a gym one time and never go back to the gym. Man, I wish it worked that way, right? That would be awesome. It doesn't. And so I encourage you as we look ahead to 2024, make waiting a priority. Because I do promise that if you, if you take this seriously, I do promise, money back guarantee, that if you wait and start making that a habit in six months, in nine months, a year from now, you will look back and you will think, wow. God knew something. He created it with a purpose and a plan, and it is beautiful. 
So I challenge you to wait. Father God, we are so grateful for how you have, you made this world so perfect according to your plan, according to, to an incredible design, and we are so grateful. And God, I pray that we will be able to see how, how beautiful and perfect it is when we lean into what's upside down, when we lean into what's uncomfortable because upside down has been that way for so long, it looks right side up. Lord, I pray for glimpses of it along the way. God, I pray that we don't have to wait six, nine, 12 months to see how great it is to lean into the way you designed this world to be, to, to be lived. God, I pray that we will see glimpses of your love along the way that, that gives us encouragement, deter, determination to, to keep going and keep leaning into what's uncomfortable and different. Lord, thank you for the waiting And it's in the powerful name of your son we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to pause in this moment to take communion as a church family together. But again, we're going to do things a little different. We did things a little different last week. We're going to do communion a little different again this week also. And I just want us to practice in a real practical way, real quick, right off the bat here, waiting. And so as you reflect, as you hear from God in this moment, as you focus on him, we're not going to have any music playing in the background. We're not going to fill the space and fill the air with, with something. No, I, I just want you to sit there and wait. Wait, look around, see what God is doing around you. Listen to the, the hum of kids moving around, which is amazing. And we're just going to sit in silence for a little bit. Praise team will come up and we'll continue in worship after this. But as we just sit and listen to what God has to speak to your soul, I just want you to wait. When you're ready, go ahead and take communion. Take the bread that represents the body of Christ broken for you and the cup that represents his blood shed on the cross for you. If you'd like someone to pray with you, I'm going to be down here, be other people from our prayer team around, and we would love a chance to pray with you. And we're just going to lean into the waiting this morning. Father, we are so grateful for your son, so grateful for the chance to, to wait and in this waiting, experience your love and the depths of your love. Lord, thank you for your son on the cross. Thank you for his sacrifice.